2: Jackson, I'm in a mode. Ooh, what kind of mode? I'm fired up. Good. It's playoff hockey. It may be my favorite time of the year. Wow, really? It really may be. Now, there's two reasons for it. First off, I love it. And then, secondly, it's a warm time of the year. Sure. We're on the we're in the first inning of the warm time right, of the year right, here right. in the right. St. College Louis. College
1: football would be the the love, last inning.
2: Right. And so I, it puts me in a good mindset we have some baseball going on but tonight right here on 101 ESPN blues versus the wild pregame at 7:30 i'm going to estimate a puck drop at 8:43 central would you like the over or the under
1: i'll take the under i'll Ooh, take the you're under you're going to be you're going to get a
2: sweat i know Yeah, i know i know they
1: so, say 8:30 so the puck drop like they start the yes. game i'll i'll take the under on
2: 8:43 i don't want to take money out of your pocket but if you're interested, I'd be interested in a wager. All right, we can work some out. Let's establish the terms for our so if it's under millions it, of listeners, we'll just go even
1: money. I'll owe you five bucks if it goes over eight forty-three. You owe me five if it goes under it. Okay. And then if it's on the dot, we'll be even, Stephen.
2: Yep. yep. There it is. the The wager has been booked. There, we're on the board. Yeah, I feel very good about this. All right. Part of that is because the Bruins game is at six o'clock. Right, And while we'll be able to watch the first round on Valley Sports Midwest locally, uh-huh. the game is also going to be on ESPN. Sure. Uh, globally, and uh, I I could see that, well, first off, I just can't imagine that game's going to be over in time, right. and so I could see them kind of just moving it back just a little bit. Is that usually how they do it, where they don't start the next game? Well, this game? is the first time we've had ESPN. Right, that's a good call. Yeah, in, I don't know how that works. With then. this television deal.
1: Yeah, because I know for other sports, sometimes they'll start the other game and have the little score bug in the corner telling you what the score is and how much time's left until the other game is completed.
2: Uh guys, I've never rooted harder for a game to stop late. Now I would have understood the text, six five, seven, eight, zero, air comfort service text line if it would have said start late, but stop late throws me off.
1: Yeah, In other words, is
2: he rooting for me or is he rooting for you? Uh follow up. It's my follow-up. Uh guys, good morning, lady and the tramp. Ooh, new name. That's not bad. Is Lady going to I guess that makes me the tramp. Which is accurate, that's right. Yeah, that's that's actually on brand. Is Lady going to be going out of his way to avoid watching the hometown team in the playoffs? I think that first off, Jimmy, brother, going to be with us in ten minutes, and I can't wait. We're going to have a hockey guest every single day, presented by Engineered Design Facilities here on Balloon Party, uh, through the uh, duration of the Blues run, which I believe will end in mid-July against Patty Maroon and the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's, sure. what, I, that's what I've actually seen in my program. But I think it's important. I'm truly curious. I actually uh, asked you this on TMA. Right. How are you going to handle the next two and a half months of Balloon Party while the Blues make their run to the uh, the Chalice against uh, Patty Maroon and the Ning?
1: Well, I'll be watching the games, and I'll... Uh... So, I'll be somewhat in the know. But, you know. And when you say
2: somewhat in the know, what well, does that mean? Because
1: I'm not like a hockey savant. Like, I don't know all the ins and outs or all the strategy. I know the rules. I know you got to score more goals than the other team.
2: Oh, my God. Mike, can you cut that up for a promo?
1: <laughs> but I'm not, you know, I'll pepper in my little takes, but I'll leave it to mostly to you and whatever guests we have on that day and just kind of stay out of but the way. But you
2: will be watching. Yeah, I watched the playoffs. What if there's a game seven? <laughs> <laughs> Between the Grizzlies and the Warriors. Oh man, this is yep, be such absolutely. a good series, and that's the thing. I mean, I have to put you to the test. I think this is called honesty in media. It's also called Lady and the Tramp. Right, and if you were going to, I think that you're you've been honest with uh-huh. the audience oh, from yeah. the get go. Right. And is this all out, or is this, well, as long as Jaws not playing at the same time in an elimination game?
1: Well, I'm actually, I'm blessed enough to have multiple TVs in my residence. Wow,
2: this is where we have another Ledoux, unrelatable moment from Jackson.
1: So what I would do is I would put one TV on my coffee table and put a game on there, and then put another game on the other TV, and then just be in
2: really a good place to watch both games. Okay, fair enough there it is Jackson will be watching yeah. i hope that uh, endears you to the audience not i ha- i know it won't, but i'm just setting you up and acting like i hope that it helps mm-hmm. so for me and this is what i've been doing i don't know how long cuz i get up at around 5 to do tma sure and we've been doing that show since 2004 um and the way i handle it is i watch the first period with these 843 starts And then the moment of truth is, can I turn it off after the first period, go to bed, and then once I do that, I'm good. And then I get up in the morning, I don't look at my phone, Mm -hmm. don't look at my laptop, and I drink my coffee and I watch it, not the highlights, the whole thing. And then obviously skip through the intermission, and I watch the second and third period, and that gets it takes you know whatever about 45, 50 minutes. Now if there's overtime, then I got a problem. Right. Then I got a problem. Right. Because it's not like we they know, and it's like okay, I got to get get yeah. into the station. We but, can't push the show back. Uh, that's when I just will have to start skipping ahead and seeing if I see you know right. some pressure mounting, and you know that's not the ideal situation. But otherwise, I'm up until midnight and getting up at five, and then it just it it snowballs over the course of the run. I hate it. I hate not watching it live. I ha- hate not being able to interact with people while it's going on live. But just for what we do, that's the way I handle it. And it's just the nature of the beast. Now, we can bitch about the the status of the Blues times and the fact that you have two central time zone teams playing. This is just the way that it is, and it sucks, and it's part of being in the Western Conference, and it's just the way that it is. I was kind of hopeful that with the Blues being in uh, – with the NHL being in this new TV deal with ESPN that we would see – Potential different situations, but it's exactly what it was when it was on NBC Sports. So here you go again 843 puck drops. Yeah. And uh, most likely they would be playing a team in the Mountain Time Zone should they get past the wild. By the way, the Blues are the underdogs in this series. I suppose that's not that surprising. Um, I don't know if that would have been the case. If the Blues won home ice, but the Wild are minus 140 to win the series. Yeah, I think whatever team
1: got home ice is going to. But be minus the...
2: 140 is a bigger number than just home ice. In other words, let me put it this way: uh-huh. if they were on a neutral site, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be even.
1: Right. I hear what you're saying. It, it, yeah.
2: a, a, a forty dollar swing is is right. bigger than what home ice would right. account for. That surprises me. Uh and when Jeremy Rutherford of course writes for the Athletic and is a regular here throughout the week on 101 ESPN and you're welcome to send your questions in for JRs we uh, oftentimes will do on Fridays we will do here on Monday on Balloon Party and he's going to be with us in about 6 minutes. Um but I was reading this column this morning before uh TMA and uh the rankings in this anonymous GM survey. And they scout and rate every playoff team and they have a couple of teams in tier 1, three teams in tier 1. Uh, Actually, check that. They also put the Lightning in Tier 1. But obviously the Avalanche, Panthers, and Hurricanes, they also include the Lightning in there, so you really could see Patty Maroon with his name on the chalice four straight years, history-making when it comes to somebody doing it with two different teams. Then they have the Flames in Tier 2, and then right after the Flames, the Wild. Mm. So, you know, Minnesota was right there with the Blues, but as far as this anonymous GM survey, uh, they are high. On Minnesota, um, I liked them before the trade for Flurry. Uh, I wouldn't put them in tier one, but I, I at least thought about it after seeing them with Flurry. And NHL GM said that's not a slight against Talbot, even though it might seem that way. But I think you need two goalies now to win. Um, and uh, another GM says Minnesota is a team that has grown on me as of late with the brew, uh, with the Blues. Excuse me, they are in tier three. And uh, the anonymous uh, GM says, I haven't loved their team as much this year, but they play well. They're battle-tested. They have the guys that have won before. It's going to come down to goaltending for me, I think, with Bennington not going the way I thought. He might have lost the net, but the other guy has been outstanding. And Jackson, when I heard somebody call Husso the other guy, I thought of you.
1: Right. That's I appreciate that, because that's how I, was affra- I phrased it.
2: Another GM said they know how to win. That can't be overstated. They know how to win, and they know how to win when they aren't expected to win. That's literally what happened in 2019. So while I see flaws with this team, I don't see as many flaws as I saw in that 2019 team, and that team won the whole thing. So this gets me to my question for our audience here on uh, 101 ESPN today. And I'm asking this just if you can take yourself back to the morning of or approximately you know, early mid-April of 2019, and what your mindset was for the Blues and the Winnipeg Jets and then compare it to the morning of game one in Minnesota. Blues were on the road for the start of that series as well. For me personally, and it's an unpopular opinion, but you know, that's you, know, once again on brand, I don't have as high of expectations, for this year, as far as a Stanley Cup run, as I did for that year. Mm. And when I try to think about it, I'm not necessarily sure when it comes to the Blues why I, why I feel that way. But when it comes, I think in part, I'm a little con, concerned about some health elements on the team and certainly some goaltending elements, which I feel like historically, when the Blues bow out early in the playoffs, you point to goaltending. Sure. You weren't thinking that. At least I wasn't thinking that in 2019. You're like, "This is Jordan Bennington." I didn't right. know who he was four months ago, but my goodness. <laughs> and then, yeah, you're playing Winnipeg, and they're a great team. But it's it's not necessarily about the Minnesota Wild. It's about what what most likely sits there, Absolutely. in in the second round yeah. in Colorado. It doesn't mean it can't be done. Double negative. We oftentimes will cite what happened with the Blues in 2000 as the president's trophy winner and with the Lightning in 2019 getting swept by the the Blue Jackets. So it certainly can happen. But you just have this force that is only plus 350 to win the Stanley Cup. That is how big of a favorite the avalanche are to win the Stanley Cup. That is ridiculous to only get three and a half to one on your money to win the Stanley Cup at this point at the start of the 16 team tournament so that is why from my standpoint i personally am not as bullish it's not necessarily an indictment of the blues so much as it's just going to be so tough to get past the avalanche should they get there that is my perspective you can call it soft you can insult me it's fine i've been doing this for 20 years the insults are you know kind of part of the cost of doing business but i have to give you my Honest assessment of the situation: The Blues are plus twenty-two hundred to win the Cup, just for entertainment's sake. I wouldn't mind throwing money on sure. it. Sure, but from a standpoint of a confidence level, I had a great deal of confidence in twenty nineteen, and I think it's just because they were on such a heater, and Bennington was playing so well, and the team was healthy. That that I think when I was, t- if I'm to try to compare and contrast and take myself back thirty-seven months, why I feel Uh, Slightly different. Uh, Tim, I had more faith in the 2019 Blues. I just feel that team could punish teams in a seven-game series. This team may be more talented, but I have less faith that will carry seven games. That is an outstanding observation. When you take a look back at the Blues series, all of which in 2019 went six games, two of which went seven games, by the time the Blues got to those games— They were just punishing teams. I think the only time they lost a game six was against the Bruins. And they won in six against the Jets. They won game six to force a seven against Dallas. They won in six against the Sharks. And we were hopeful, of course, that they would win the cup here in St. Louis in Game 6. Yeah. But they would punish teams, and they would wear them. The Sharks were a shell of themselves by the time that yeah. thing rolled they around. They, physical they, as absolutely. As well. they didn't have guys traveling here. They were just beat to hell. Yeah. So it's a totally different situation. Guys, the avalanche landing, the Preds, to me, was the best possible scenario for their first round. The Avs will win, but the Preds will beat them up in the process, I believe. Good observation on that one, uh, guys. I felt I feel like next year is the year for the blues that is for um the 636 i think the reason i was more optimistic in 2019 is because there was not a juggernaut like colorado that i knew we would have to get past in 2019 you felt very confident we could beat any team in our conference that's from the 314 yeah that kind of sums it up but again i, I want to make this clear just because i'm not as bullish as i was in 2019 it's not like I'm going, well this thing has no point right and if anything I don't know how you feel, you know, in whatever competitive things you you play. I know, Jackson, you're in the men's league, and a lot of people want to want to get you to detail some of your games sure. yeah. in the men's league. But if you're going up against somebody, whether it be in an individual sport or a team sport. And you feel like, yeah, you're not expected to lose. You, sometimes you play with greater freedom. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: because you're kind of playing with free money, essentially.
2: So, and if the Avalanche do get beat up and the Blues can get past the Wild and come out of it pretty healthy, hey, listen, I love it. I love, I love see. I love like when Missouri played Alabama in 2014 in the SEC championship. I went down to Atlanta for that. I'm like, I don't expect Missouri to win, but it's great to see Missouri play against yeah. Alabama. Right. Uh, this Avalanche team might be on the verge of winning the Cup. Uh, So they might not have the Q rating, so to speak, that the Lightning do, having won it two years in a row. But they may be on the verge of doing something here and uh, having that kind of recognition as a power. But uh, right now they are at the beginning and the Blues have done it and they have not as of yet. So we'll see how the whole thing plays out if and when that takes place. First, got to take care of the Minnesota Wild, and the Blues are an underdog in the series. Not as big of an underdog as the Predators are against the Avalanche, but they are an underdog in the series. Jeremy Rutherford will join us in the next segment to give us his perspective on a wide variety of topics. You are welcome to send in your questions for JR six five 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Our Blues Playoff Talk here on Balloon Party is brought to you by Engineer Designed Facilities. That's E- D F, And it is coming up next here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for a Blues Playoff Report. Brought to you by Engineered Design Facilities. A number one commercial fire alarm service provider in St. Louis.
2: Welcome back, Balloon Party and our Engineer Design Facilities Blues Playoff Report. It is our pleasure to be welcomed by the great Jeremy Rutherford. JR, good morning. Mr. Tim, how you doing, buddy? Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Looking forward to just kind of digging in with you here, brother. And we invite the audience to uh, give their thoughts, their questions, comments, whatever. 65780 Air Comfort Service text line, I was a little surprised, and I'm curious on your perspective on this, not that you're some kind of wagering aficionado, but I was just surprised <laughs> that the Wilder listed, it depends on where you're looking, of course, but uh, is minus 140, which is a, f- it's not a huge favorite, but it's a f- little more substantial than I would have thought, uh, and certainly when you when you read hockey uh, writers around the country, I'm getting the sense that the expectation when you take it out of St. Louis and you take it out of Minnesota that the expectation is that the Wild win this series. First off, is that your perception in in, in reading and talking with people, that the Wild are uh, expected to win this series? And, and if so, why do you think that is?
3: Yeah, just a, a slight edge kind of talking to the uh, national folks. And we had a, uh, a poll a couple of days ago at The Athletic, and uh, 23% of the, the staff picked uh, the Wild to win in six games. But if it did go to seven games, it was pretty split down the middle. And so I think that's... The way that most people are looking at this series, and why give the uh, the Wild a little bit of an advantage? You know, I think there's probably a couple things. You know, even though the Blues have been playing lights out down the stretch here, Tim, you know, I think uh, the Wild bring a little physicality. They really upgraded that that fourth line at the trade deadline. You know, the fourth line isn't going to make the difference in uh, in the entire series, but I think a game two, game here or there could could make the difference, and also the goaltending. Uh, Cam Talbot's just been uh, phenomenal, and uh, he's got some experience. Of course, Marc-Andre Fleury has some experience. Billy Huso, as much as you like him, and maybe he steals the series. You just don't know going into it.
2: Yeah, I was curious what your thoughts are on how the Blues are going to handle their goaltending situation, but there's also a goaltending situation in, in Minnesota. Even though Talbot has been pe- been playing well, uh, they did go out and get Fleury right there at the at the deadline. So what is your perspective on how uh, both coaches will handle their goaltending situation uh, over the course of this series, Jr.
3: Yeah, kind of interesting that neither one of them has been named, you know, prior to Game One. I saw we'll you were waiting that for that went. text from Craig Berube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We told him yesterday. I said, "Hey, we're nice people. We're reporters. We're giving you the opportunity to tell us who your goalie is uh, for Game One." He said, "I'll text you guys later." So <laughs> no text yet. So I'll have to wait till we get over to the rink. But you know, same thing with Minnesota. As you said, they haven't come out and said that it's Talbot or Flurry. Uh, ever since they went out and got Flurry, and, you know, they paid a second-round pick for him, uh, Talbert, Talbot has just been crushing it. And so I think there really is a, a, a faction of fans in Minnesota who say that uh, that he deserves it. But Flurry, you know, has a lot of playoff experience and he's the type of goalie that can steal you a game or two. And, and so we'll see. But he's struggled down the stretch here. So um, I think that there's a chance that they uh, could go with Flurry. according to uh, Mike Russo of The Athletic. Heard him this morning. With so Randy and Michelle. And then with uh, the Blues, I mean, I would be absolutely shocked, absolutely shocked if it's not Billy Huso. So uh, we'll find out the two netminders here in just a little bit.
2: Yeah, I'll find that out quite uh, shortly. Uh, got a bunch of texts here, and I, I see yep. the, the numbers oftentimes here with the Blues success against the Wild, uh, whether it be in this season or since Craig Berube has been the Blues. Head coach, the numbers are overwhelming, certainly in the Blues' favor when you look at either that larger sample size with Barubi's tenure or this season in the Blues dominating the Wild. I'm trying to think, and you might be able to off the top of your head, think of a time when the Blues were playing somebody where either they had dominated them over the course of the regular season or in recent time, or it was going the other way and the Blues had uh, been dominated, and then those two teams met in the playoffs, and you might have an example that, that you can cite. Yeah. Um, but either way, how much of of that do you think uh, factors into the mindset of the respective teams?
3: Yeah, I'm trying to think back. I mean, you look back at that two, 2019 series, Winnipeg, you know, I don't know that either team had the upper hand. You look at uh, Dallas, San Jose, Boston. I don't think that it was lopsided, one-sided, as it's been like it is with this uh, Blues in Minnesota Series going back just a few years. I mean, the Blues have been dominant. What were they, twelve one and one coming into this season under Barube uh, against the Minnesota Wild? You know, but here's the thing: two of those games, as you know, Tim, they went to overtime those last two at Enterprise Center, so that can go either way. And then the other one was the Winter Classic. So, I mean, do we really want to go back two, three years to project how this series might turn out when we're evaluating these two teams? Yeah, I think a lot of things have have changed since then. So. Uh, you know, the other thing is, this is the playoffs. Look, we talked to these Blues players the past couple couple days and said, okay, you got the balance scoring. You got 920 goal scores. How does that benefit you going into a series like this? You know, and they say, hey, it's over. That's that's the regular season. We have to score now. And, and so I think uh, the toughest thing is going to be going into this XL Energy Center Uh, I think that's why losing the home ice advantage might be a really big, big thing in this series. Tim is because the wild play well here and the blues have not played here uh, this year. So to me, uh, things start over and I think it's going to be a really difficult ask to come into this building and try to continue that dominance.
2: Jeremy Rutherford, our guest here. It's the Engineered Design Facilities EDF Playoff Report on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you. A couple of people, since I asked that question, Jeremy, have texted in and said the Kings and the Blues. The Kings beat us handily during the regular season, and they killed us in the first round in 2012. Uh, so a decade ago when the Blues got past the first round but then lost to the Kings In the second round, would be one that that comes to mind there. Another factor here when you're trying to compare and contrast is is health. Um, How would you analyze the health of both teams as they head into game one?
3: Yeah, it's a good question. It really is. And uh, you look at the Blues situation, and it's uh, Braden Shen and uh, Scandela, Marco Scandela, that you're talking about. And both are evidently going to be ready for game one here. Now, the thing is, you look at Shen, and he's such a big part of this team. I realize they have. You know that balanced group of forwards up front, but to me Shen's a big part, and he didn't play what the last five games down the stretch, four or five games, and and so he's going to play uh, in this one according to Craig baruby But how effective can he be? It's great that he's in the lineup, uh, but what can he do? Can he contribute? Can he you know play physical, which is what they're going to need in this series? You know he and Ivan Barbashev are two of the more physical forwards up front, and then with Scandela Look, they had him yesterday in the top pair with Colton Pareko, Tim. And the reason that Craig Bruby's doing that, he wants a puck mover in each of those three pairs. So you got Colton Pareko in that top pair. So you put him with Scandella. That moves Tory Krug down to the third pair with Robert Bortuzzo. But listen, if Scandella, who's coming off that knee-to-knee hit the other day, you know, if he can't handle it, then the Blues are going to have to make some adjustments. So I think the Blues' health is pretty good overall, but a couple key spots... Yeah. With Sharon and with Scandell are question marks. And, and, of course, just to touch on Minnesota, uh, Marcus Foligno, he comes off that, uh, that injury himself the other day. But uh, they got through a scare, and it looks like he's going to be uh, in the lineup, which is good news for the Wild because that's part of a great defensive line to have.
2: Yeah, that hit, that hit had people going in Minnesota on Friday night against the Avalanche.
3: It really did, and uh, at first uh, you're thinking maybe torn ACL, and you know that's, they call it the grief line up there, and the reason I say that that's an important defensive line for them is because they're likely here at uh, XL, uh, the Wild will have the last matchup, uh, going to have uh, responsibility for the Thomas Bucinevich Teresinko line. So the fact that uh, they keep Polino part of that line is going to be key in the series
2: jr uh, a number of questions here from our audience and i want to make sure i get to as many as possible six five seven eight zero jeremy rutherford on here 101 espn with our engineer design facilities playoff report uh let's start here Uh, jr i want your opinion on us being the underdog here let's be real blues fans are nervous about being cocky and i understand why that said the wild haven't beaten us in the last 10 tries it seems easy to see who the better team is here the Blues just have to play like it, that is uh, from the six three six, your thoughts on the blues attitude,
3: yeah, and if it's you know, like I said, if they're underdogs, it's just a slight underdog. I don't think anybody's going into this series saying you know wild and four, wild and five, anything like that, so you know the blues, I don't think they're trying to play some sort of underdog role that you know they haven't said that in any of the interviews, uh, but yeah, it's a little bit of a different type of situation where you you, you have a team that you know people are picking. Minnesota to win this yet the blues have had that uh, dominant run against them uh so so we'll see you know that's why these first couple games are, are so important because you're going to be able to establish the uh, the tone in the series tim
2: jr i sense that chief has a very short lease for uh, short, short leash for Cairo. what is your take from the six three six
3: yeah i I don't know I don't think so I, I don't think at this point um you can you know pull the shoot on a guy like that who can change the game in in just a moment and you know, certainly they're not going to take him out of the lineup, the Blues do have some extra forwards when you look at the Dakota Joshua, Logan Brown, uh, those types of guys that are going to be sitting in the press box tonight, but the, he's not going to put them in uh, for Kyru. The only thing I could see with Jordan Kyru in terms of you know, short leash would be some limited ice time, but you know we'll see how it goes. But they need him, and he's got that game-breaking skill that this series is going to need.
2: Uh, and another follow-up on uh, Kyru to your answer right there. Uh, your thoughts on his minutes. What do you think we will see here?
3: Well, he's you know early in the season when he was scoring a lot, you know people were saying he wasn't getting enough minutes, playing fifteen or sixteen minutes. But you know Craig Bruby and the coaching staff they have a handle on that in terms of what he's able to handle, you know as far as his responsibility. And, and we've seen that that defensive awareness has slipped, and, and that's certainly something you can't have. Look, you know Kyrie had a couple mistakes down the stretch that uh, you know Craig Bruby scratching his head and had to have a chat with him, and you know they just can't have any more of that. So I would still expect him to be in that you know, 14-, 15-, 16-minute time, um, you know, minute range with uh, with some power play time.
2: Uh, and this is a bigger-picture question. I don't think it's one that necessarily is on people's minds at this moment when you're 12 hours or less from a, the puck dropping on the playoffs. But this question coming in from the 314, junior if the Blues get bounced in the first round of the playoffs for the third straight year, do you expect a major shakeup this offseason?
3: No, I don't think so, and for a couple of reasons. I mean, you have uh, the GM with a five-year extension. You have the head coach with a three-year extension. And while there would be a lot of disappointment in St. Louis, I mean, the way they have these playoffs constructed now, you know, we've been talking about this for a couple weeks. You know, this is a two versus three, and it easily could have been the Blues two and Minnesota three. You're talking about, you know, teams that are both over 100 points, just separated by four points. These are two evenly match teams. So, you know, I think there's already questions going into the off season, what's going to happen with Tarasenko? What's going to happen with David Brown? What's going to happen with Jordan Bennington? So, what qualifies as a major shakeup and with all those questions that they're going to have to face, I think they're going to have to face them whether they beat Minnesota get to the second round, lose to Colorado, or whether they get bounced by Minnesota in the first round. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this,
2: considering how different things are uh, from 2019 with where Jordan Bennington was and and where he most likely will start at least this playoff series, and that is on the bench. Um, Different set of circumstances, though, I would imagine, with Huso and Bennington versus Bennington and Allen. How do you think Craig Berube handles this if Billy Huso struggles?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, people have talked about uh, Billy Hussos leash. You know, how long is it? You know, I personally think that uh, they see the consistency that he brings. And even if he loses game one, he still has shown uh, throughout the year that, that he's been consistent. Uh, Jordan Bennington, not so much uh, and until recently when he ripped up off those five straight wins. So with uh, Billy Huso you know, if he's given up a lot of goals, uncharacteristic goals, or, you know, you lose two here at Minnesota, I could certainly see a situation where you bring in Jordan Biddington and and maybe he runs with it. Maybe there's some magical, you know, he's just got a feel for the playoffs and he takes off with, with the job. We don't know yet, but, you know, by all accounts, uh, Billy Huso has been that guy. And I think Craig Berube knows that, and he's going to have to ride him as long as he can. But where is that point? Where is that point? That's the big question.
2: Final one for you in our engineer design facilities uh, playoff report with Jeremy Rutherford, and I'm this, I kind of like this question because it makes you kind of think through some scenarios here. The observation from the texture six three six. A lot of Minnesota's wins have been in overtime. Did the Blues have an advantage with there being five on five OT? in the postseason. I mean, when you look at the Blues struggles in overtime, and then you look at Minnesota's success in overtime, totally different set of circumstances. When you get to the postseason, you would imagine we're going to see at least one of these games go to OT. Is that an advantage for the blues that you don't get the same set of circumstances that cause so many problems for them and set up Minnesota for a number of their wins?
3: Yeah. I, yeah, I do think so. I think that uh, you can't overlook that, I guess is the best way I can say it. The blues are about fourth. Last time I checked in the, uh, regulation wins. And, and I think that says something, you know, I think they can close out games in the third period. I think they can come back in some games and you're not going to have the three on three uh, wild, really good at the three on three. But conversely, they've got some big moment players with uh, guys like Karel Kaprizov and, and, uh, you know, some of the other guys, Hartman. And so you get to an overtime situation. Sure, it's going to be 5-on-5. Five five. It's not going to be 3-on-3. Three three, but you've got some guys who have made some big plays and big moments this year. And so I think that could give them, you know, like the Blues, uh, you know, a little bit of an advantage. You know, it's not like the Blues don't have those types of guys But, you know, Tim, going back to the original question, uh, you want to play in regulation, you want to win the game in regulation before you get to overtime, and the Blues have been the better team in that regard.
2: There it is. Jeremy Rutherford with our engineer design facilities playoff report. JR on the coverage. He'll be with us all week long here on 101 ESPN, talking it over with all of the shows and covering it on theathletic.com. JR, appreciate it. Looking forward to the festivities tonight. Thank you for your time this morning. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. Talk hey, to you later, bud. All right, man, there he is. Jim Thanks, with us here from Minneapolis, St. Paul, where the blues and the wild will get underway in just a little more. Then, oh, I would say 10 hours and 10 minutes, Jackson, and that way I win the bet. I'm going to say 10 hours and 4 minutes. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to get your Venmo for $5. It's going to be nice. It is going to be real sweet. All right, we've got to take a break. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about the Blues. Plus, the Cardinals are playing a game here at 12:15. It got moved up because of the forecast against the Royals. Then they head to Kansas City and play two. Uh, the lineup is out. The lineup is uh, different. And maybe the lineup needs to be different because the Cardinals offense struggled over the weekend. We will discuss that coming up next. You are listening to Lady and the Tramp on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 1, 2,
2: 3, four. Welcome back, 101 ESPN. Simmerkernan with you here to the top of the hour. Then it's BK and Ferrario, and then you have the fast lane from two to six. And Blues hockey, playoff hockey tonight on 101 ESPN. Pre-game gets underway at 7:30 p.m. And Jackson and I have a five-dollar wager on what time the puck drops. I have taken the over. On 843 mm-hmm. and I'm all over the under. All right fair enough the action is in. uh Cardinals are in action 1215 start today. is uh, actual people in the building for this game I will set the over under at and, and I know we can't get a number right now the announced attendance versus what it will actually sure. be. I will set it at 8651 and a half
1: whew, whew, whew. take the over on that. I'd take, I'd say. not pe- you
2: best fan in baseball, me?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd say. You
2: know. No way in hell. Over no 80, way 600. in hell. I'd, I'd like, I might count. I might count.
1: Ten thousand?
2: You think I can get ten thousand? I just don't. I just it's, well, on it's, Monday it's busman a, special. It's a. It's a game that was originally going to be at night, but because of the forecast, they moved up. It's a one-game makeup game from earlier in the year. Sure. And. I I I think some of the teams might not even show up. Mm. I think some of the rosters might take this one off. <laughs> Given
1: the uh, starting lineup today, it kind of looks like that's well, the case. <laughs>
2: uh, it is a unique lineup today for the Cardinals. You have Bader in center, Goldschmidt at first, O'Neill at uh, left, and Arenado at third. Corey Dickerson will be DH and hitting 200. There's Paul DeYoung hitting a buck 50 at shortstop. Dylan Carlson hitting a buck 75 and right. And there's Andrew Kisner and Brandon Donovan rounding out the lineup. It's a Jim Dandy. I, I don't
1: get why Kisner isn't hitting where Dickerson is. Kisner's... I don't
2: get the offense in general. I'm yeah. going more macro. I guess. You but... can go micro. I'll I'll support your micro.
1: I mean, he's got like what th- like in the thirties of plate appearances, like nine hits, slashing like three hundred. Like I don't I don't get why you wouldn't have him I don't know. I, I don't manage teams, but <laughs> it seems like to me Dickerson, who isn't hitting very well at the moment, hitting five is a problem. But what I'm, do I
2: know? I, I think I think one of the best things for the Cardinals is that the Blues are starting the playoffs. Right. They can kind of fly uh, into they, the radar. They kind of like pay no attention <laughs> to the man behind the curtain, and the man sure. behind the curtain doesn't really hit well. No. And this shouldn't be all that alarming. Paul Young not hitting well shouldn't be all that alarming. Yadier Molina, even though he doesn't even play the majority of the games right now, uh, shouldn't be all that alarming. I think where maybe there was some differentiating of opinion with the offseason that the Cardinals had, and it was lackluster. I don't uh-huh. know how it could be painted any other way, uh, is I think some people— Actually, more than some people. I think a majority of Cardinal fans—I don't know about a majority of people around baseball We're going, look at this outfield. This outfield's ridiculous now. But as as we had a texture point out on TMA earlier this morning, and I thought it was a great way to sum it up, you get the sense that the Cardinals will dismiss a bad year as an outlier when it's one year. But when it's one year of good performance, they will not consider that that could be an outlier. Yeah, yeah. Do you follow? Oh, 100%, that, I know a 100%. Because you see Paul con-
1: DeYoung— 2019, and that's what they see it as, as opposed to 2020 and 2021. it
2: well, certainly is 2018 was outstanding, and then 2019 first half was solid, and then in the postseason, big-time liability, but when, when it comes to that, I think it's the outfield. The outfield has to be a Big concern. I don't think people turn to Harrison Bader for big time offense, but they do. When you're talking about your corner outfielders, those sure. are offensive positions. Yep. And so if and listen, I don't think Carlson and O'Neill are going to continue to hover around where they were. If you're a fantasy baseball player, I would try to acquire those guys now, not because you think they're going to wind up putting up Goldschmidt caliber numbers. When I was saying a couple of weeks ago to try to get Goldschmidt if you could in a fantasy trade, but they're going to perform better than they are at the moment. You might be able to get them from a bargain. Perspective. What I am saying is to think that they are going to do what they did last year, just based on one year, is then taking an outlier and applying it to a big portion. But young is not an outlier situation. you got a few years of that. And the core issue, I think, right now for fans who are paying close attention, Nolan Gorman and 11 home runs, 11 home runs and 75 at-bats, 25 hits, I think, at this yeah, point in 75 at-bats and 11 home runs. That's a home run every 7.1 at-bats. Unbelievable. And going, y- your problem right now is actually not pitching. The problem is offense, and you have a guy performing like he's performing at Memphis, and you move Tommy Edmond over to short, and the pushback on that as well, then it's going to hurt our offense, or hurt our defense. Well, it's going to help your offense. right? And so that, to me, is the thing where fans are going, well, what are they doing? Well, here is what they're doing, and they've been telegraphing it since the offseason. They're going to play Paul Young because he's under contract. That's the deal. We don't have to agree on why it's going on, but I'm just telling you that's why it's going on. Right. It's a purely business decision, and that tilts people, and it should tilt people. I get it because you're going, well, if Paul the Young were on the kind of deal that was a rookie contract, Paul the Young wouldn't be in there. Mm-mm. The issue also is the guy that they're platooning him with is also struggling offensively. Right, right. So what happens when you go into a game and you know you have Yadier Molina and Paul DeYoung in the lineup, you have seven players now who have to carry the load offensively. Yep. And when you have O'Neill and Carlson really struggling at the outset and your DH is Corey Dickerson more times than not because you're going to face more right-handed pitchers than left-handed pitchers, Now you're going into a baseball game putting all of the pressure on Paul Goldschmidt and Owen Arnauto, essentially. And today, Tommy uh, Edmond isn't even playing. So that is the spot that the Cardinals have backed themselves into, and that is why the Cardinals are only 12-10, and despite playing, for the most part, teams that are not going to be in the mix in October. And that is why it frustrates fans. Now, if the Cardinals would have actually been playing quality teams for the month of April, I think there would be more attention on what's going on. But because the record is 12-10, and it takes people's eye off the ball on what's going on. What's going on is a problem with the offense, and it's up and down the lineup with the exception of three players, but you cannot win with just three players hitting. And that's what the Cardinals have. You can win, though, if you bring a guy up who's got 11 home runs through 75 at bats and put him at second pace and put Tommy Edmond at shortstop. You're just not going to see it. But I have a feeling you might see it around June 1st. Mm. Your thoughts are welcome. 65780, Air Comfort Service, text line. Uh, you can leave a uh, mic drop, but Jackson won't let it go on the air. He uh, is not allowing the Rhino Shield mic drops on the air unless it's a take on the Grizzlies. And the Warriors. That's Correct. the only
0: way mm-hmm. you can get on the
2: air. You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN.
0: We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: Welcome back. Final segment Balloon Party, top of the hour. It's BK and Ferrario. Coming your way. Fast lane from two to six. And then blues hockey tonight, pregame here on one oh one ESPN. It's seven thirty. Puck drop will be after eight forty-three. And that's gonna be a great win for me. Five dollars. What are you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do?
1: Well, make five bucks. That's what right. I'm gonna do. I,
2: I, I feel badly for you because <laughs> this is a square play on your part. Now, would you take the over under on the eight forty three puck drop? Six five seven eight zero.
1: Yeah, make win yourself five bucks.
2: Yeah. Not I'll, for I'll, me, but <laughs> I'll take all i take all uh wagers on this thing. Uh so you have the Cardinals, twelve fifteen today, blues eight forty four thirty. <laughs> yeah, sure. Tonight, and uh playoff hockey underway, and it's outstanding. And I'll tell you something, up and down, both in the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference, you have some powerhouses. Uh Colorado is certainly the favorite. Uh they are plus three fifty to win the cup. Next up, Florida plus five hundred to win the cup if i'm not mistaken the hurricanes are plus 600 to win the cup but uh some big brands for lack of a better sure. term in the eastern conference uh Matt, i mean you really across the board there really isn't a, a weak one and uh i love i just cannot get enough of playoff hockey right I, I don't have a there's there isn't a sport where I go from eh, regular season to the playoffs with with a greater gust of enthusiasm than I do with playoff hockey. I know you're NBA all day long. I'm just covering I'm just covering your tracks there and hitting the hole on it. Right? Am I am I correct? It's NBA all day long, and that's just uh, yeah. it's, it's mean, all association. I
1: love Regular season, aka the preseason, and I love the playoffs.
2: But I don't. But I don't really get all worked up about you know, I, I don't go oh, good baseball post here. If the Cardinals are in it, sure. I'm way all different. in. Yeah, way different. But if the Cardinals aren't in it, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. But even in the, like tonight, You know, the Bruins, 6 o'clock. Against the Canes. I'll be watching. I can't wait to watch it. I'm looking forward to watching the Avalanche, not just because the Blues could be playing them in the second round, but I can't wait to watch the Avalanche. It's the energy. They're playing with the bullseye on their chest here, and let's see how they handle it. I'm looking forward to that. They're going to be playing a tough physical team. Let's see how they handle that. All of the series I look forward to. I love it, and I cannot wait for the blues and uh you know having the buildings energized and two teams that knew they were going to play each other for a while a good battle i'd be surprised if this thing went quickly uh in other words and when i when i'm defining quickly in the playoffs five games or less Mm -hmm. so i think it's going to be tight i would expect overtime in in a game or two i think that's just kind of the nature of the beast and people get invested man and they really get invested uh, if a team uh, can get past the first round then you start then you start then you start thinking
1: yeah then, then
2: you start thinking then, yeah. and so that is what gets me fired up warm weather and playoff hockey i'll take it All day long. It gets underway here on 101 ESPN with the pregame show at 730 every single day here on Balloon Party. We will have our engineered design facilities playoff report. Uh, And Jackson also is going to give his engineer design facilities playoff perspective. And as we close out today's edition of Balloon Party, Jackson, I know you have a couple of things that you'd like the audience to keep an eye on tonight.
1: Yeah, I think you're going to watch if the Blues can come out in the first period and, and punch them in the mouth. You know, oh, wow. you're going to be in the opposing team's building. You're going to have to hit the gas right from the get-go, nice. hit them right in the mouth, get your cleats, or in this case, your skates a-clicking.
2: You didn't say get your cleats a-clicking, did well, you?
1: Well, the the f- phrase would be cleats a-clicking, but I'm going to change it because I know puck and say skates the skates a-clicking, get your skates a-clicking, hit them right in the mouth, get the forecheck working, and if you can do that in the first period and show them that you're, you're coming to play then I think we're going to see a really interesting game coming down the stretch. The cleats
2: are click, and you're going to lose a lot of points for that. But I said skates. Right, but it makes no sense for the skates to be clicking. But I will say you're going to get a nice payoff on using the four check. I know. Because I'm, I'm stunned I'm... that that was incorporated. Positive, I don't know what it means. Stunned. I really don't. I don't know. <laughs> no, what... I, no, and I think the audience at this point knows you don't know I what know it means I know it's like either. you're hitting someone, but I don't know why they
1: qualify it as, like, is there a back check?
2: There's another promo for you, Mike, to cut up for our playoff preview. Jackson's well, break out of the. In Fort football, Jack- they
1: don't call it tackling something else. They just call it tackling. Like why do we have to? Why do we have to get fancy with
2: it? <laughs> I was, I was, I was about to say it's a shame you're saying this at 10:59, and yet somebody was able to text right away and said, "Great breakdown, asswipe." If we were giving away tickets or something, that gentleman right there would have won. I thought it was a good Or a lady. I don't know. And if it was a lady, then even better. Sure. Great breakdown asswipe. Yeah. Can we do a segment here on the show called Jackson's Asswipe Breakdown? Yep. Uh, yep. And now he's arguing about the term check as the Blues are confused. nine hours away from their pregame show here on 101 ESPN. BK and Ferrari up next. That's going to do it here for Balloon Party on 101 ESPN.